Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. we teach at this church is seed time and harvest. We don't teach chance at this church. Can you say amen? amen? What that means is we don't teach that there's just some people that are blessed and some people that aren't, and that's just the way that it's going to be. It's God's will for every person to be blessed. The Bible says in John 10, 10, Jesus said the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have life abundantly. God's plan for our life is, is, is life abundantly. So it's God's will for everybody to be blessed. Can you say amen? Uh, and we don't have to leave that up to chance. There's actually things the Bible says that you can do that, that you don't have to pray and beg God to move on your behalf. You can actually do things. And the Bible says it's like a seed that goes into the ground that will return a harvest to you in Jesus name. Amen. And so we know that, uh, that giving financial seed produces financial harvest. The Bible says that a seed produces according to its kind. Can you say amen? That means you sow a, a tomato seed, you get a tomato plant, right? You don't get a watermelon plant when you sow a tomato seed. So there's a lot of good Christians. They're good. They sow joy. They sow goodness. They sow good works into the world. But there's one thing that they don't. They don't give to the kingdom financially. And so they, they, they have a little bit of joy. They have some, good, some goodness returned to them, but they never have a financial harvest because you can't sow joy and get a financial harvest. You have to sow financial seed. Amen. So I want you to put your faith behind that. I want you to believe the Lord's going to bless me. Can you say the Lord's going to bless me? Say the Lord's going to bless my family. Say the Lord's going to bless my children. The Lord's going to bless my house. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Ushers, go ahead and take up the tithes and offerings. If you have a visitor card, go ahead and put it in there as well. Praise the Lord. Everybody else, if you have your Bibles while we're doing that, I'm going to have you turn to a couple of places. I'm going to start out reading from 1 John 4.3, and then I'm going to go to Revelation 13. So those are some interesting places to start a sermon, right? By the way, happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy birthday, America. Amen. Amen. We'll give you guys just a moment to finish that up. I hope you came in here hungry, ready to receive, because I'm telling you, the Word of God, it says it never returns void. If you put an expectation on God's Word, the Lord, He's going to give you something. He's going to teach you. He, you're going to receive something from the Lord this morning. You believe that? Yes. Hallelujah. This is going to be a really simple message. You know, the Holy Ghost led me to, to teach on this, and it's very practical. Uh, Sometimes I think we get away from just very simple, everything's so spiritual, and it leaves people kind of wondering, what am I actually supposed to do? Right? We pray, we see all these things are happening. I was just having a conversation with somebody before service. Like, I want some practical things. What, what can I do right now to make a difference? Anybody ever ask questions like that? I do. So, if you're taking notes today, this may sound like an interesting title, but stick with me, it's going to be good. Nine ways to fight the Antichrist system. Nine ways. I'm going to give you nine practical ways to fight the Antichrist system. You may be asking some questions right now. The Antichrist system, what in the world is this guy talking about? Let me just show you in the Bible. So, uh, let's go ahead and start in 1 John 4, 3. This is what John said. He said, if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit, can you say spirit, spirit. of the Antichrist, say Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. I don't know what your background is, but I grew up in church and I knew 
so there was something that I knew that I had been taught from as a child was that there's a day coming. Jesus Christ is coming again. And I always heard about the second coming and the end times. Anybody ever heard anything about the end times before? So I, I knew that there was going to be a person known as the Antichrist, like a physical person who comes on the face of the earth and he ushers in the devil's agenda on this planet. I always knew that. But can I tell you, the Bible says that that is true. But not only is the Antichrist going to just be a single person, what we just read, it says that they have the spirit of the Antichrist. Say spirit. spirit. So look at this, which you heard is coming. That's the physical person, the Antichrist, and indeed is already here. Can I tell you something? The physical person, the Antichrist, is coming, but there's a spirit of the Antichrist that's already here on the earth right now, and it's at work. Amen. And because people don't know that, you know, they're just like waiting to see some kind of, you know, political figure, whatever, rise into power, and they completely miss everything that the devil's doing right here behind the curtain, behind the scenes, setting the stage for all of this to take place. So there's a spirit that's at work presently, and it's known as the spirit of the Antichrist. So kind of break that down. You know, the Antichrist, he's not going to be a superhuman. He's going to be a human being possessed by a spirit known as the Antichrist. The spirit is the Antichrist. So the thing is, the, 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 the spirit that possesses this person to fulfill all that we read in the book of Revelation, that spirit is actually already on the earth and at work right now. The Bible says. So here's the question. What is what is that spirit doing? The spirits at work on the earth right now doing what? Turn to Revelation chapter 13. 16 through 17. You know, today we celebrate the birth of our nation when men fought against tyranny. Uh, they fought against really. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. An antichrist system that's that's shown its head all throughout history. And so. I just wanted to, to give you some interesting thoughts. Nine ways that we can fight against this system today in 2021. Revelation 13, 16 through 17. Guys, and I'm telling you, if you can build this into your doctrine, this will help keep you on a straight and narrow path. This will help you so much. So look what the Bible says. So if you read Revelation 13, it's talking about this person known as the Antichrist that comes into fruition and comes into this place of power. And this is what he does on the earth. Look at this. He required everyone. Say required. required. Small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. No one could buy or sell anything without this mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. So obviously the Bible talks about that there will come a day where there's a person that comes into power that is going to be able to require something from everybody that's on the planet. How is that even possible? Right now, if, if our president, Joe Biden, you know, were to make a... a uh, put something into law, that wouldn't affect people in China, really, would it? If the, if the South Korea made laws for South Korea, does that apply to us as United States citizens? Absolutely not. So what must take place in order for this to happen? We must all come underneath one umbrella. Amen. We must all come underneath one head, one world system. So this is my point. You see the spirit that's at work right now, even though the physical person we don't see, we see the spirit that's at work setting the stage in order for that to take place. Constantly making these pushes to bring everybody underneath this one world government. I don't know if you've ever read up on the United Nations and the Agenda 2030. And guys, this is real stuff. We're seeing Bible prophecy unfold before our very eyes in the time that we live in. And it tells you Jesus Christ is returning very soon. So that's just interesting. See, he required everyone. And I know, I know people have different opinions about the vaccine. 
You know, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Is it not the mark of the beast? But I think you're missing the point. There's one thing that can be certain is that we're moving in the direction right now where a government can actually force somebody or is trying to force somebody to take or to not take something. And without that, they can't contribute to society like a normal person. Do you see how the stage is being set to just like make people think that that's normal? Do you see that? So there's so many Christians that are lost, you know, maybe they have a good heart and they get behind some of the stuff that's going on. And because they don't understand, they don't see the spirit in the stage that's being set. They complete, they're just completely lost. Are you with me? So it says no one could buy or sell anything without that mark. So not only do we have to come underneath a one world government, the Bible actually says we could, we're not going to be able to buy or sell anything. So what does that mean? That's talking about a one world economy, a one world currency. Are you with me? And he says that this mark was neither the name of the beast or the number representing his name. So you kind of see some pushes. We just talked about a push towards one world government. We saw this push right now of of a one world currency. And can I tell you, this is why it's so important. You know, a lot of people have even came to this church and they've heard me talk about some of these things and they say, well, pastor, I think you're great, but I think we need to leave, you know, politics a little bit out of out of Christianity. And I'm going to say, you know, I'm sure glad that our forefathers didn't do that in 1776 because they were men of God that took a stand. And that's where the United uh, United States of, of America was birthed out of that. Are you with me? And I want to tell you. In order for this to take place, there's a few dominoes that have to fall. And one of them has to be the United States Constitution. Do you know what holds us back right now from joining in with Canada and Europe and joining in with the United Nations and just coming underneath this one umbrella? What's holding us back? Our Constitution. The rights that we have in the United States of America. So when you see a political figure go in, I don't care how they sugarcoat it. I don't care how nice they try to dress it up. Anytime you see a person trying to chip away the rights of an American citizen, you can automatically identify the spirit that's behind it. Are you with me? You you see the Second Amendment. You see these things trying to take away our Second Amendment, our right to bear arms. Well, why? Do you know that our Second Amendment actually protects our First Amendment? Without our Second Amendment, we don't have a First Amendment. Our, right, our freedom of speech, our freedom to assemble together like we're doing right now. We have the freedom in this country to come to church, to worship Jesus Christ. There's no government at our door telling us, trying to regulate what we, we, what we can preach, what we can teach, how we can worship, and what we can do. And our forefathers actually set that up so that we had that right and that we had the right to protect those rights. Are you with me? And so you just have to look you know, past kind of look behind the curtain a little bit when you see them attacking these things you see this is an undoing of the constitution and the constitution has to go so that we can be brought into this one world system are you with me i'm not trying to get into space cadet stuff i'm just telling you the bible says that there is a spirit at work today can you say amen amen, amen. this will help you so What can we do? I'm going to give you a very practical message. We see these things happening in 2021. We see these political pushes. We see just this chaos that's taking place. And I know we need to pray. I know we need to preach the gospel. We're going to talk about those things. But what are some more just practical things that we can do day to day to push against this system? These might blow your mind how practical these are. I'm going to show a Facebook post that I saw that really just resonated with me. So this is Sean Foyt. I love this because honestly, I've thought these exact same things. You know, how do we fight today? Is God wanting us to go get Rambo, you know, bandanas and time around our heads and then go marching through the United States with AR-15s? Is that our role right now? Is that what we should be doing? I love what he said. In this post, Sean Foyt, and I read it, and I said, Lord, I've actually thought those exact same thoughts. There's so many things that we overlook, and we think that they're small and insignificant, but they're actually not small or insignificant at all. Look what he said. You want to be revolutionary in 2021? Get married young. Have kids. Raise them to love God. Believe the Bible 
every word. Give generously. Buy land. Choose gratitude over victimhood. Fear God above man. Forgive quickly and share the hope of Jesus Christ. Those are some simple things. Amen. So let's break these things down. Seriously. And I hope that you guys are with me this morning and kind of understanding what what I'm saying. But you do. You see this spirit that's at work trying to indoctrinate our children. Trying to undo the nuclear family. One man, one woman, two genders. I mean, you see things today that would have blown our our grandparents and great-grandparents' mind. They wouldn't even believe that we would be having these conversations today. Are you with me? So what can we do in culture in order to have an effect and to kind of live free from these things? How can we thrive in 2021? Let's start with number one. I'm going to get real practical with you guys. I'm going to break some of these thoughts down. Number one, get married. Can you say amen? Amen. Get married. I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts. So I wrote, get married, get married young, say young. Young. You know, we'll kind of get into it a little bit. Why it's important, I think. And I'm not trying to put some law or rule on anybody, but I do believe that. I do believe that you should get married young. The The book of Proverbs says, enjoy the wife of your youth. Can you say youth? You're not youthful when you're like, you know, 50 or 60 years old. You're youth. Amen. Get married young. Why? <laughs> she said, I reject that in Jesus' name. Get married. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You know, you really see that. You see this huge push, and you're going to understand why according to the Scripture, where if you look at marriage rate from the 1950s to, to 2021, people are not getting married. And you know, does that mean that people are you're not in relationships? Absolutely not. People are still in relationships, but they're not getting married. You know what? The shift that has taken place that's been just commonly accepted is that you know, people just, you know, move in together, live with one another. Uh, they don't honor the word of God. They just have a relationship where they live with one another. And they say, well, because, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for us financially right now. I'm just trying to work on my career. Stupid thoughts that we've kind of adapted as man's knowledge in 2021. But that's not the way that God's word lays it out for us. Are you with me? This is interesting. Did you know? The average marriage lasts seven years. So number one, people aren't getting married. And when people get married, they're not staying married. So listen to me. A word from the Lord this morning. Get married and stay married. Can you say stay married? Can I give you a key to this? Young people, marry the right person. You know, you actually don't just have to make mistakes and then something just falls into your lap and now, oh man, now we're obligated and, you know, we got to, no, you can pray and the Holy Ghost will actually lead you to the person that you're supposed to marry. You know, there's actually standards in the Bible. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. You know what that means? It's not just, it's not like condemning anybody. But the Bible says this, if we're not equally yoked, how can we run together? You know what what yoked means? In the Old Testament, when they would pull a plow, they would throw a rope over two ox and these two ox would pull this plow. So the problem was if you had one ox that was really big and really strong and he was trying to pull the plow and then over here you had some like super weak ox that was crippled and had a broken leg, that plow's not going to pull straight. That plow's going to go this way. It's going to go that way. Or it's just going to go in a circle because they're not pulling in the same direction at the same intensity. So the Bible says you don't just marry anybody. You, the Lord has a perfect person for everybody. 
I truly believe that, that God has a, a thing called his perfect will for your life. Inside that perfect will is the job that you're called to work, the person that you're called to marry, the place that you're called to live, the thing that he's called you to do. Don't just live out here and make decisions. Get in the presence of God, get into the word of God and find out the plan that God has for your life. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that people, people ruin their own lives and then blame God. I mean, how many times do you really see that? How many times have we done that? We've made stupid decisions, even if it's a relationship. It's like, Lord, I really thought that this person was the right one. And you're like, you know, this girl that just gets saved and she starts dating a dude and no condemnation or anything, but starts dating a dude that, you know, doesn't serve God, doesn't even believe in God, like total atheist or drug addict or something like that. And she's over here like a Christian girl. And, and then something falls apart three, three years down the line. And she's sitting there saying, oh, you know, God, how could you let this happen? Why didn't you help me? And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, I, that wasn't even a part of my plan or my will. The Bible says that people ruin their own lives and then blame God for it. Are you with me? So get married. Say get married. You know why? Because the devil doesn't want us to get married. I want to tell you the power of a man and a woman coming together. Literally, the Bible says that the two, the, the man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife and the two become one. It's a powerful thing. It's a sacred thing. And so people, you know, the average marriage lasts seven years. And, and, and then I read this statistics. It says that right now we are actually at an all time low for divorce. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. People aren't getting divorced. Actually, that's not necessarily true because although we're at an all-time low for divorce, we're actually at an all-time low for people getting married right now as well. Are you with me? So look at 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. through 5. Look what Paul said. These would be signs of the last days. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days it will be very difficult times. People will love only themselves. And their money. That's not part of my point, but just look at this. He's giving characteristics of people of culture in the last days. We live in the last times right now. Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Look at this next line. They will consider nothing Sacred. Wow. Why is it that people in 2021 aren't getting married? It's not because they're not in a relationship. It's because they consider nothing sacred. They don't consider God's word sacred. They don't consider the way that God told us to do this sacred. You see even people that claim to be Christians. Right? Let's just move in with one another. Let's just sleep with one another. Let's just shack up and hook up with one another. And you work your job and I'll work my job and we'll just coexist. And there's no commitment. There's no covenant. And can I tell you, that's actually a sign of the last days. God said that people will consider nothing sacred. Are you with me? Honor God's word and keep sin out of your life. Let me just show you something. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 9. You know, Paul taught about marriage. And I love because old, you know, Pentecostal people, they took this very seriously. And I love this. This is funny. But he taught about marriage. And he was saying, look, if you can stay single, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Paul actually didn't have a wife. But he was able to do that. But he says, if that's a desire that you have, if you have a desire to be with somebody or even, you know, I'm sorry if this is an awkward word for you, but sexually, look what he says in 1 Corinthians 7, 9. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. You know why people used to get married? Because they honored God's word. Because people understood that it was not right to have sex before you're married. 
that you can't just sleep with whoever and do whatsoever. They understood that God has described this in his word. And they looked at themselves and said, I actually don't think that I can just you know, do my career and make all the right, finish school, build my career. And when I'm 29, then I'll get married. Can I tell you? And the whole time they're just in relationships, bouncing around, jumping around, doing whatever, considering the word of God unsacred, not considering it sacred and holy. Are you with me? Said nothing sacred. So we see that we're going to get to this point, if not today, maybe next week. But that's one way that you can fight against this in this generation. Be a Christian that takes God's word for what it is. Amen. The Bible says, you know, it talks about you read in first Corinthians chapter five and chapter six. It talks about that those who do wrong will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't only talk about homosexuality. Guys, it talks about adultery. It talks about sexual immorality. Can I tell you, homosexuality is wrong and it's a sin according to the Bible. But so is having sex with somebody that you're not married to. So is having sex with somebody that's married to somebody else and holding this standard. I'm not just going to do things my way. And that's how Christians live. Right. We make our plans. We sit here and say, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to do X, Y, Z, build my career. You know, I don't want to make a commitment, but I want all the benefits of marriage with none of the commitments of marriage. Can I tell you right now, you'll set yourself apart in this generation if you'll simply take God's word and say, Lord, I make your word my ultimate authority and then go forth in faith. You know, I know I love Pastor Tanner and, and Pastor Bree. Because they were in this predicament. They were in a relationship. Sorry if I just dropped this knowledge. But Bree was still finishing school. But they wanted to honor God's word. They looked at their life. They looked at what God was telling them to do. And then the flesh, you know, we just think, I'm just going to stay in this relationship. And we'll just keep trying to, you know, make things work and, and set these boundaries. No, they took God at his word and they say, Lord, I don't want to fall into sin. So even though it doesn't make sense, we're going to go ahead and get married. And we're just going to believe by obedience to your word that you are going to help us. Amen. It worked. Amen. Are y'all with me? So how can I fight against this antichrist system? Get married and get married young. Young people, keep sin out of your life. Keep sexual sin out of your life. How can you do that? Don't wait till you're 35 years old to get married. If you know you can't stay single your whole life, get married. Trust the Lord. You know, people will think, well, you're just starting out. How are you going to provide for your family? Can I tell you? Obey the word of God and trust him and he will help you. That's right. It's a crazy thought, right? That God actually wants his word to be carried out on this earth. He'll help you. Can you say amen? amen. I told y'all this is practical stuff this morning. So honor God's word. Keep sin out of your life. What's the other reason why we need to get married? A man and a woman needs to be married. Can I tell you this? A child needs both of its parents. A child needs a mother and a child needs a father. If you look at statistics right now, some of the things that, that are going on in our world, the crazy things that people are doing, if you look at these people that, are, that just seem psychotic, that you look at a person and you say, how could a person ever do something so wicked? How could a person go into a school and shoot up a school and kill people and just do this wicked, horrible thing? You look at their life, you trace it back. I'm telling you, there was either an absent father. Most of the time, that's what it was, an absent father in the home. Or not in the home, an absent father in their life. Children need a father and a mother in the home. Amen. I want to tell you, two men that get married and try to adopt children, it's not going to work. It's not going to work for society. Two women that get married and adopt a child and just raise a child, it's not going to work. God made men with certain strengths. God made women with certain strengths. And when we come together, we're powerful. Amen. Amen. In 1964, this is interesting. Lyndon B. Johnson introduced what was called the War on Poverty 
where he funded things like Social Security, welfare. Can I tell you, this was the worst thing to ever happen in the United States of America. Are you with me? You know why? Because all of a sudden now, you look at the inner cities. You look at these communities. And we were looking at the crime rate, the drug rate, the problems that we're having. And can I tell you, when they took fathers out of homes through this policy, that's when all of this began to take place and to happen. Whenever they begin to tell women, we're going to create policy that's actually going to pay you to have children and not have to be married. Right. We'll take care of you. And I'm not saying not helping people that need help, but I'm saying people begin to manipulate that system and sinful people begin to look at that and say, wait, I can actually stay at home and not have to work and get money from the government for not being married. And it took fathers out of homes. And when it took fathers out of homes, kids started growing up and committing violent crimes and going into prisons. I mean, you just see this whole snowball effect take place. God created man and woman. Say man and woman. God created marriage. Marriage was God's idea. And I can tell you guys something. I know that in 2021, we think that we're wise and that we know it all and that we know more than God. But He created the heavens and the earth. He knows more about how this thing works than we do. Amen. Are y'all with me? So here's my conclusion for point number one. Get married, get married young, serve the Lord, and keep sin out of your marriage. Amen. Amen. Can you guys agree to that? Number two, this is a huge one. Guys, this may be one of the most important things that I say, this is what we need right now in 2021. Raise godly children. This is no insignificant thing. I want to tell you right now, the world does not need any more preachers and pastors that have a heart to go and evangelize the world, but yet they don't raise their own stinking children at home to serve the Lord. I've actually seen that. I went to Bible college and I saw PK, pastor's kids that grew up and they they were forced to Bible college because that's what their parents did. You could tell they didn't want to be there. They didn't love God. They were so messed up and broken and had all of these problems. Can I tell you? It's not a lesser calling. This is like one of the most important things you'll ever do in your life. Raise godly children. Are you with me? Anybody ever watch Karate Kid? Yeah? Man, y'all are being kind of quiet this morning. I don't know. It's 4th of July. Lighten up a little bit. Amen. Karate Kid, they put the old karate kids, like the old ones from the 80s on Netflix. And I love those movies. I was watching those. The other day, I was, I was watching him at night, and, and Miyagi, he said, there's no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. And I thought about that, and I said, man, that, that's really profound. No such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. She said it's not true. <laughs> but I'm not just talking about educational. I'm talking about at home. Put it in the context of parents. You know, a a 10-year-old doesn't just decide to be a horrible kid that goes out and cuts everybody down and and acts up and acts out. There's no such thing, I I don't believe, as as a bad child, but bad parenting. People aren't raising their kids. And can I tell you, two things are happening. Number one, people aren't raising their own kids. They're relying on the public education system to to raise their own kids. They just want to have babies, and as soon as the baby's old enough to talk, let's just throw them into daycare. And again, listen to me, not casting condemnation on any person in this room. I know sometimes with situations and we're working, and you, know, you have to make things work, but I'm telling you, it's even just a simple shift. It's not anybody else's job to raise your children. You have the responsibility to raise your children. So number one, people aren't raising their own kids. And then number two, If they do raise their kids, they're not raising their kids to love the Lord and to serve the Lord. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 22.6. Train up. Say train. Parents, listen to me. And we just had our second child. I know we just had babies all over this church. We're having babies coming out left and right. If you want a baby, come drink the water. You'll get a baby. 
the water fountain out there. Just go take a sip. Go buy a pregnancy test. You'll be good to go. Proverbs 22.6. Train. Say train. train. What is a parent's role in their child's life? Is it to be their friend? Is it to be somebody? Like parents sometimes are so insecure that they just want their kids to like them so much. If my kid like tells me they hate me or they don't love me and I, they don't think that I'm cool, you know, like it hurts their feelings. That's an identity problem. You need to know who the heck you are in Christ. Amen. And command your house with authority. Know who you are. Have your identity rooted in Christ. And then don't take the role of I'm my kid's friend and, you know, I'm just trying to make them feel comfortable. A parent's role, according to the Bible, train. Say train. My dad always told me, I love my dad. My dad, oh man, I tell my daughter some of the stuff my dad used to tell me when I was a little boy. He'd get on to me and I'd start crying. You know, he didn't come over there. Oh, John, it's okay. You know, stroke my hair. He looked at me and said, you better hush up. He said, you better stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. And I found myself telling that to my daughter the other day. She was in the restaurant crying. I said, you, you, what are you crying for? You better stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. But my dad told me when I was a kid, he said, son, it's not my job to be your friend right now. He said, I'll be your father now and then I can be your friend later. Amen. Amen. Train up your children. So train up your child in the way that he should go. And look at this. When he is old, he will not say will not. Guys, there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. There is actually actions that you can take right now in your child's life when they're young that will guarantee that they serve the Lord when they're old. Either that's true or the Word of God is a lie. And I want to tell you, the Bible says in Numbers 11 that God's not a man that He should lie or a man that He should change His mind. The Word of God is true. He said, train up your child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Look at this, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. So what does that mean? Does that mean that our role then, if we're going to train our kids as we just walk around like, you know, like a dictatorship, have no love, no instruction. Guys, I'm not even telling you to just be hard on your kids for no reason. You need to train them. You need to teach them. You need to talk to them. Are you with me? Don't provoke your children to anger. I've met, you know, we've done youth ministry for many years and kids come to me and they're telling me, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I, need, I know I need to tell them, honor your father and mother, honor your father. That's what I'm thinking in my head. But then I hear some of this stuff and I'm like, in my heart, I'm like, Lord, if I was their kid, I would have a hard time too with the crazy stuff that sometimes parents are doing sometimes. It's just nuts. The Bible says, and listen to this, the same scripture that you read in Ephesians 6 that tells children, obey your father and mother, right? Because parents love that. You need to obey me. That's true. The same passage that tells children to obey their father and mother, Paul also says, don't provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Amen. Amen. Treat your kids with love and respect. Be an authority. Don't be their friend. Train them up in the way that they should go. It says, rather, bring them up. Say train. Another translation says train. With discipline. Say discipline. discipline. And instruction that comes from the Lord. So what's a parent's role in their child's life? Train your children. I'm going to break down some ways that you can train your children. Things that you need to instill in your child from day one. And if you just got saved and you have older kids, I'm going to tell you, it's not too late. The Lord will help you. Amen. So again, I'll repeat myself. Guys, I want to tell you, do not leave it up to the state to raise your kids. You know how the, the devil is pruning this, this generation? Through indoctrination. I mean, we're in a church, so we stand on God's Word. I'm not isolating one sin, but can I tell you, something that we've seen 
is this whole world cave. We have a whole month now called Pride Month. Pride month. This whole world cave to this LGBTQ, you know, whatever thing you identify as. Can I tell you that that didn't come out of nowhere? That didn't just one day they snapped their fingers and there was magically thousands and thousands of people that believed that way. You can watch videos back from the early 90s and late 80s of kids in kindergarten and public school with teachers saying, you know, when it was illegal to enter into marriage with, with a person of the same sex, asking these kindergartners, do you think that it's right, you know, for these two men to be married? And the kids would say, oh, no, that's not right. And they would say, but why do you think? Don't you think that they should have the right? Don't you think that it, it, literally from kindergarten and preschool, you can watch these old videos? That's called indoctrination. And can I tell you something? I'm not telling us to become Amish and go create compounds and live out in the woods somewhere. That's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying, though. There's a spirit that's at work in this world that has an agenda that's setting the stage for something very specific in the public education system, whether you like it, love it, or hate it, is designed by, not by bad teachers, but by people that are in high places of authority to create citizens to accept that society. You see it happening right now. You see these major gaps happening between the baby boomer generation to the millennial to, the, I don't know what they're on, generation X, Y, Z now. I have no idea. But just listen to me. It's not anybody else's job to raise your kids. It's not the daycare's job to raise your kids. It's not the school teacher's job to raise your kids. Can I tell you guys something too, fathers in this house? If you come to this church, it's my job to pastor this church, but it's your job to pastor your house. It's your job to pastor your home. And it's your job to pastor your children. You know, people love to isolate the passage of the Scripture that, tells, that says that women should be silent in church. And we, we totally miss it. Paul says you should be silent and you should go to your husband when you're at home. You know what was actually happening was in those days when they had church, the men sat on one side and the women sat on the other side of the room. And so what would take place as a teacher was up here, they didn't have a microphone, they didn't have a sound system. He'd just be sitting here talking, trying to teach the Word. And the women would be shouting across the room to their husbands, Hey, what, did that, what does he mean? And, and so the preacher was saying, Look, that's not right. That's not proper. That's out of order. You should hold those questions. And what did he say? When you go home, ask your husband. What does that mean? The husband has a role to be a pastor to his wife and children. You know, it's not just the pastor's job to pray for your children. It's not just the pastor's job when your kids get a headache and a fever. For, let, let me go to Pastor John and let him anoint them with oil and pray in the prayer of faith. You have a responsibility to your family. So number one, men really aren't being fathers in a lot of ways. And number two, Christian men really aren't being pastors in their homes. Say leaders. leaders. Can I just say this as well? And I don't mean this because, guys, I want to tell you, men have a place, women have a place. They're both beautiful and amazing. And when they function in their proper roles, things work out great. But a man's job is to lead. You know, the Bible says that the, that the man is, is in authority over the woman. That the head of, 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 of the head of Christ is the father and the head of man is Christ and the head of woman is the man, is the husband. I know that in this, this generation, again, you see this huge push towards feminism and we don't need men. Can I tell you, you need men. For one reason, if you didn't have men, women, then the, the human race would die out because you cannot procreate by yourselves. Amen. Are you all with me? That's why like, that debunks evolution right there. If we just came from monkeys, you know, it would actually be hardwired in our DNA. Like homosexuality would not even exist because it would be hardwired in our DNA to preserve our species at all costs. That's the number one rule like in nature. Survive, right? Amen. Two men can't procreate. Two women can't procreate. So what does that tell you? It's not a natural thing. It's not just a biological thing. It's a spiritual thing that is assigned to this generation in this world to steal, to kill, and destroy what God has planned for us. Are y'all with me still? 
The role of a parent is to train. The role of a man is to pastor his home, to pastor his wife and children. Can I tell you guys something, men? This is just coming straight from my spirit. You can't disciple others if you've never been discipled. How can, let me just say this, guys, because I want to tell you. You know that in every single, I don't care if it's a church, if it's an organization, the leader is held to a different level of accountability. You know, the Bible actually says, many of you should not actually be teachers. And I'm not saying that to hurt you. He said, I'm saying it for your benefit because you need to realize that teachers are going to be judged more harshly by God. The leader is held into a high place of accountability. You're the leader of your home. If your wife doesn't know the Word of God, I want to tell you, I'm not saying that women don't have a you know, responsibility. I'm saying you need to get the Word of God in you and shower your wives with the Word of God. Because the leaders are held responsible to the Lord. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So you need to get married. Do life God's way. You need to have children. Train up your children with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So we're talking about train. As I said, this doesn't mean be your kids' friends. This means that you're in a role in their life to teach them, to help them, to literally instill things in them, whether they like it, love it, or, or hate it, that you say, listen to my words, son. Listen to my words, daughter. If you do what I say, these things will guard you when you get into your 20s. These things will guard you when you get into your 30s. If you do what I say, the blessing of the Lord will be upon your life and you'll be set apart for, in your generation. God will use you in a mighty way. It's the parents' role to instill this in their children. And can I tell you, people are like, well, you know, I don't know. My kid's just not on fire as much as some of the other kids. Can I tell you something? Like, even at church, we have your kids like four hours a week. That's, that's like pushing it, too. Are you with me? The main role of a parent is to, is to pastor and train their children. So how do I train my child? These are, I'm going to give you three things that you need to instill in your children this morning. Write this down. Put God first. Say, put God first. I always tell our youth this, if you will put God first, you will never finish last. Every single Christian household needs to be training their children. This Joshua moment where you instill in every young boy that when they become men and they become fathers, that they will go into their own house and draw the line in the sand like Joshua did and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, and their wives start getting a little crazy. Oh, I think we, you know. I'm just kidding, babe. I love you. She said it's the other way around. But every boy, draw the line in the sand. Ask for me and my house. So that whenever they bring a woman into their home, when they bring children into their lives, that they have this instilled. We honor God's word. We do things God's way. And as for us in this house, Right. Well, dad, Jimmy said that him and his family, they, they, you know, they're not at church. They're on the traveling baseball team. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord and we put God first. And then the Bible's very clear about that. I don't need to get into it doctrinally, but the Bible teaches you read Deuteronomy 28. You read Joshua chapter one. You read 1 Kings chapter 2. You read Psalms chapter 1. All these different authors, they say the same thing. If you will obey the Lord, delight in His Word, meditate on it day and night, obey everything that He says to do, you will succeed and prosper in everything that you do. Our children need to learn that. That there's actually a reward for putting God first. You know what? will help them if they see that reward on your life. Not just talking about some reward, God will bless you. No, that they can look at mommy and they can look at daddy and they can see a man and woman that put God first and they see the blessing in the hand of the Lord upon their life. And it's not just a myth or fairy tale. They say, whenever I'm 20, they say, let me tell you about the God that I know for a fact. 
Because I've seen his goodness all the days of my life. I saw his hand upon my father's life. I saw his hand upon my mother's life. I'm going to serve the Lord. That's missing in this generation. Guys, I want to tell you, we can get angry and we can blame the young people all we want, but the young people didn't train themselves. There's no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. Are you with me? Put God first. And I want to tell you, there's people that grow up in the church and this is what they train their kids to do, right? We'll go to church as long as there's nothing else that comes up. The second that anything else comes up, right? Well, I'll go to church until it's baseball season. Then, guys, I'm sorry, I, we can't come anymore. We, you know, we got to travel. What are you instilling in front of your, what are you instilling in your child by doing that? We serve God and we obey His Word and we go to the house of the Lord only until something else, another opportunity presents itself. And then at that point, I'm, I'm showing my child that when we're in the face of decision, we choose the other thing every time. You can't put God first and finish last in life. Are you with me? And we see this. We just were so casual about it. Because can I tell you, you know, the Bible commands us to gather together. Do you know that? Hebrews 10, is it 13? Hebrews 10, 13. Let me go ahead and flip there. So I don't think I'm just blowing smoke here. Hebrews 10, 13. Oh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 10.25. says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. And I tell you one, something that was very clear, like in the book of Acts. It says that when they got saved, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to sharing in meals. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Going to church is not a small part of the Christian doctrine. God has brought the church together. Your life, I'm telling you, the blessing that you experience is going to be dependent upon how obedient you are to obey the things that God has told us to do. Amen. Do not say, don't forsake assembling together. Something that Christians had instilled in them 80 years ago. You know, in the New Testament church, when believers are together, that is the number one priority in our life. Son, if you want to play baseball, you play baseball Thursday, Friday, play baseball Monday if you want. But Wednesday is the Lord's night. Sunday is the Lord's day. We're going to get up. We're going to get dressed. We're going to get our butts in the car and we're going to gather with the other believers and worship the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you will instill those principles in your children, you'll see a different child. You won't have, I'm telling you guys, and I'm not, I'm not being harsh or anything, but you won't have like loser children. You'll have children that are hardworking men and women of God that live by the principle of God's word. Are you with me? Put God first. Say, put God first. You know, I see the craziest things. I have kids tell me, guys, and I'm telling you, I'm not judging people that are in the world. I'm talking about Christians. Hey, we're going to go to youth camp. Let's get so excited. Oh, Pastor John, I can't come to youth camp. Uh, I can't come to church for the next three weeks because we're going to the lake. And, and I, I want to, I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, you can't go to the lake like after church camp, before church camp. Get your kids baptized in the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? One thing that I'll encourage you to do as parents, get around anointed meetings, something we take our core to do. We have some great men of God that, that we look up to that are very powerful men of God. When you get into services where you're seeing healings take place, people being delivered, people being set free by the power of God, it, it marks you and it changes something on the inside of you. So can I give you some advice? Make that like a top priority in your life. We're going to get to meetings. We're going to get to where the Holy Ghost is moving and doing things. We're going to make it a priority. If, if I have to move things around, we're putting God first. Are you with me? 
We're going to close just with two points. I'm going to finish this out. Faith. Say faith. Faith. Your role as a parent is to train. Say train. train. So number one, we said you have to train your children to put God first all the time, every time. Number two, train your children to live by faith. What do I mean by that? Trust the Lord. You know, the, the, the Bible promises that God will provide for you. Do we actually believe that? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He said, don't worry about what you eat and drink and the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and live righteously and all else will be added unto you. Why don't we teach our kids that? You know that if I took a poll and asked most kids, most kids, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know what they'd tell me? Where I'm from, I'm from New Mexico, West Texas. You know what all the little boys told me? I won't be a welder. I won't be in the oil field. Great. Can God use people on the oil field? Absolutely. But can I tell you? Why? I asked them the next question was where I got the reasoning. Why? Well, welders make a hundred bucks an hour. I'm going to make a hundred and fifty grand a year just right out of high school. Can I tell you? That's great. You're blessed. That's wonderful. But why is that being instilled in you that you just live a life of like just chasing after money? How about this? How about this crazy thought? What if we trained our children to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost and we trained them from the time that they were young? Get in God's presence. Figure out what He's called you to do. And when you do what He's called you to do, I don't care what man tells you, God will provide for you and take care of you every single time. I can tell you, I had so many family members whenever I was going to go into the ministry that literally sat me down and were like, before you go into the ministry, you know, you need to go, you need to go get an engineering degree. So you can go be an engineer and then you, you, know, you can do the little ministry thing on the side. <laughs> Is that cool? Absolutely. But that's not what the Holy Ghost told me to do. Amen. Amen. Faith is believing God at His Word. What if we taught our children that if you obey God, you do what He tells you to do, and you live by His Word, you'll be blessed. He'll take care of you. You can walk in divine health. You don't have to worry about the things that the rest of the world worries about because God's hand will be upon your life. Train your children to live by faith. Are you with me? I can't tell you how many, how many people told me, you'll never make it in the ministry. When we started this church, I had a church literally tell me, you guys won't last a few months. Once you get in your own building and you have your own expenses and your own insurance and all your own stuff, he said, you don't understand what you're doing. And I said, I don't care if I understand. The Lord told me to do it. And if I do what he told me, it's not my job to provide for it. He'll provide for it. Because this isn't my vision. This is actually God's vision. And can I tell you, God will see to it that the thing that He wants done gets done. If you're willing and obedient, He'll use you to do it. Are you with me? So teach your children faith. Say faith. Where they're not just a bunch of skeptical Christians. I hate getting around the unbelieving Christians. You know, you start talking about the Lord and, oh, you know, Jesus, He heals the sick and the Lord's going to do this and let's believe God for a miracle. They're just so skeptical. They're just so reserved. They just turn their nose up at that. I'm telling you, I don't have a problem if that's somebody who's not saved that's doing that. I would get it. Like, yeah, you're not saved. I understand this doesn't make sense to you. But it's Christians that act that way. It's Christians that you see still walking around today in Walmart with a triple mask on because they're afraid of a virus. Whatever. Hey, what a, you get up and preach out of Psalms 91 that the Bible literally says, though a thousand fall at my side and 10,000 die around me, these evils will not touch me and no plague will come near my dwelling. Well, John, I just don't know about that. Don't, don't raise any more people to be unbelieving Christians. Raise your children to be, 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 be people of faith. We believe God's Word. Amen. Are you all with me? The last thing I'm going to give you. How should I train my child? Say, fear the Lord. That is one thing that this generation does not know. Fear the fear of God. He is Father. He's our Father. 
But I'm, guys, you, you can even just hear the weirdest stuff. Have you ever heard somebody pray? Oh, Papa God. Oh, yeah. He's sugar daddy father. Like the craziest <laughs> stuff you've ever heard in your life. Like, do you know who you're talking to? Like, he is our father. He is our father. But he's, he's, the, he's the Lord. He's not, you know, some dog with a bell that's running around. But there's no reverence. And this brings me back to the passage that I read from Timothy. It says they will consider nothing sacred. God is holy. Let me just show you what I mean by the fear of the Lord. Look what Jesus said, because people don't understand fear. You mean that we're actually supposed to fear God? I don't believe that fear, when, when the Bible talks about fear, it's not talking about fear. It's just respect. Can I tell you, I feared my dad growing up. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Whenever I crossed my mom and my mom called my dad and he was coming home at the end of the day, I wasn't just like, oh, chilling on the couch. Like, yeah, I got some respect. For no, I, I was, fr I remember I'd run out and grab my dad's lunch pail and like start trying to kiss his butt. I had a fear of my father. <laughs> I genuinely had a fear of my father. Why? Because he loved me. He loved me. But I knew that he had the, the ability, the power to discipline me. I knew that I was going to give an account to my father. And it caused a fear of my father in me. And I think, can I tell you, that's actually a healthy thing. Like, it's healthy. You should, your children should love their parents, love their fathers, kind, compassionate. But guys, you don't have to just be one thing. There should also be a healthy fear that children have for their fathers. Are you with me? So, fear the Lord. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 10.28. Don't be afraid of those that want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God. Look at this. Who can destroy both your soul and body and hell. Here's a healthy fear. God is the King we are all going to give an account to Him for every word that we've ever spoken, all of our works that we've ever done, and He is not to be crossed. You know how much less sexual immorality that we would see in this generation? You should hear our youth kids. They're in ninth grade, 10th grade, being made fun of. You're a virgin? <laughs> you know, kids laughing. and you're still a, They're like 15 years old. Laughing that one of them are, is still a virgin. That, that's crazy. Can I tell you why? Because kids aren't being taught to actually fear God. Considering nothing sacred, you just live how you want to live. There's no mountain that you can't climb up and, and, and shadow you won't light up coming after me. Can I tell you, we don't sing songs like that anymore in our church because it actually instills something unhealthy in people. This just like, I can do whatever I want to do, and I just know that God, He's just always right there. Can I tell you, God is graceful. He's merciful. Will He forgive anybody that truly repents? Absolutely. But we've taken that and twisted it and made it into this thing where I can do whatever I want to do with no consequence or accountability. And it's like God just really doesn't care because He's just Papa God and He understands. It's not true. Jesus said, fear God. Say, fear God. Fear God. Who can, don't fear man. All they can do is kill your body. Fear only God who can destroy both your soul and body in hell. I want to just end with this. The Bible says that we will give an account for our, our works. We're going to stand before Him and give an account for everything that we've done on this earth. There should be a healthy place of fear that we walk with the Lord. Where we're coming to, before Him in His presence. Guys, and this is what I'm talking about fathers, personally. Where you don't just waste five years of your life. Well, why are you working the job that you work? Well, that's just what I do. Why do you do it? Well, I don't know. That's just what I've always done. Can I tell you? You need to get in the presence of God constantly. And be surrendering yourself, asking Him, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with my children? Well, my kids just go to that school. Why? Well, that's just the way that it is. That's where I went. That's where they went. You need to have this fear where I stand before God and he's not going to. Well, how good did you do a good job? He's going to hold us accountable to his perfect will and his work. 
Did you accomplish what you were actually set on this earth to accomplish? And what did you do with the word that I gave you? Did you obey it? Did you walk accordingly to it? For me, I don't want to stand before God and Him take a 10-year segment out of my life and pull it out and say, well, John, that was all you. You did all of that. That was, never, that was not me. I don't want to see that happen. So I have this constant like, healthy fear that I come before the Lord. Lord, I'm constantly going to position myself in Your will. Seek, pray, fast, and do what You've called me to do. Are you guys with me? So, in conclusion for this morning, on this point, if you want to rebel against an antichrist system, raise your children to love and serve the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me pray over you before I dismiss you and you guys can go have a happy 4th of July. Father, I thank you for our friends. Thank you for these new faces in here. Bless them, Father. Let your word go forth in Jesus' mighty name. Produce a powerful result in their life. Thank you, Father, that as the word was being brought today, the Holy Ghost began to convict each person. Speak to each person of things they need to realign. They need to adjust. They need to surrender. They need to move in their life. Father, and I thank you that when they obey that voice and the leading of the Holy Ghost and obey your word, that your blessing will be upon their life and they will set themselves and their families apart in this generation. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.